Welcome into Leafs Lunch. It's Mike DiStefano here, and I've got Joshua Cloak with me from The Athletic. Julie Tasheri on uh, on the World Juniors Beach. He's getting prepped there, so Josh is going to be joining me for the next couple of hours. I'm excited. You'll be making your Leafs Lunch co-hosting debut. Uh, you excited for the next couple of hours, pal? we got a pretty, pretty good show. We've got Darren Dreyer joining us in about 20 minutes. Dave Andrichuk, former Toronto Maple Leaf, former Tampa Bay Lightning Coming up also in the 1 o'clock hour, we got some fun Christmas-themed bits that we're going to be doing, and we got a game to preview tonight with the, the Tampa Bay Lightning coming into Toronto. Should be a fun one. You are overlooking the intense deep dive we're going to do on Dryden Hunt. That's, <laughs> I woke up this morning, and that was the first thing I thought about, was how much you know Dryden Hunt talk we're going to get into, and, and that just got me fired up all morning. Josh, so the Dryden Hunt trade broke like yesterday, and this is the... The beauty of live radio, but also somewhat of the downfall of live radio. So the trade breaks almost as soon as we came on air. Like that, that music that we just heard where it says, well, do it to Sherry and Mike to say, that came last night. And I saw the notification from Lee's Twitter announcing the trade. And the beauty is that I get to talk about it right away. The downfall is I don't get to do the deep dive into it because I'm live on radio and it wouldn't be great if I sat here in silence for 10 minutes trying to find all this information. The good news is after a full night where, for whatever reason, I was up till like 4 a.m., I had uh, nothing but time to do research on a guy named Dryden Hunt. So, yeah, we can get into it. You said that you were up also doing some Dryden Hunt hunting, I guess, to find some more information about this guy. Uh, was recently acquired by the Toronto Maple Leafs yesterday for Dennis Mulgan, if you missed it. Uh, what did you uncover about Dryden Hunt and how he can impact the Maple Leafs? Well, I think, first of all, Dryden Hunt is the kind of player that, that gives the Leafs the versatility that I think they still need in their bottom six, probably their, their fourth line. I mean, Dennis Balgan was given every opportunity to succeed in that top six role, right? Playing alongside um, John Tavares, and he just hadn't been producing. What I like, if you're the Leafs, what I like about Dryden Hunt is just that, you know, he's definitely not the kind of player that's going to be in every single night, Mm -hmm. but you can go into different buildings and you can adapt now having a player that's, you know, a little heavier on the forecheck can bring, you know, that physicality. Sheldon Keefe described him as a simple player. So I think that kind of tells you what the Leafs like about him is that they know that when they need a player, when they go into a building that they know is going to require that physicality, they have a player that they can drop in the lineup and maybe that's when a Pontus Holmberg for example kind of comes out I don't think we know yet how Dryden Hunt is exactly going to fit into that fourth line but I just think that you know we're we're, we're talking about Tampa we're going to be talking about Tampa all day today Um, and when you just cast things forward and you look at you know what the Leafs are going to have to do to succeed we assume in a playoff series against the Tampa Bay Lightning a little physicality yeah. isn't going to hurt. So I think that's why they, they made this acquisition. Because, again, the physicality, the versatility, um, that's not what they had in Dennis Malgin. He was <laughs> he was a bit of a one-trick pony. Right. And so I think Dennis, or sorry, Dryden Hunt gives you something a little bit different. Yeah, and I think that he's somebody who who's coming in. He can play both sides uh, of the ice, left and right wing. And like you said, he's more of a prototypical fourth liner, right? He's someone who can come in. He doesn't have to play every night. I'm not sure he will play every night. But when he's in there, I think Sheldon Keefe looks at him and says he's a safe player. He's someone who I can trust in, in his own end, and he's not going to be a, a liability. He's almost, in a way, like a Zach Aston Reese-like kind of player, like maybe a poor man, Zach Aston Reese. Um, I was digging into some of the numbers and some of the analytics and defensive metrics 
of uh, of Dryden Hunt, and, and they look pretty solid. Like yeah. I, I was quite surprised. Like I know Jay Fresh, he uh, he's a Twitter follow. Jay Fresh Hockey, he puts out his player cards that he likes to do, and I saw that he had a, he was in the ninety fifth percentile in terms of um, you know his his five on five defensive metrics. So I decided to look into them just to see exactly where he stacks up in the league and 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 they're terrific like his per 60 numbers he was uh if you look at it 21st in shot attempts um against per 60 so he's not giving up a whole lot when he's out there scoring chances against he was also sitting there in ninth in scoring chances given up uh when he's out out there on the ice expected goals of 1.99 ranked 21st among was it over 500 eligible players who have played 200 or more minutes in the NHL. So, you know, he's somebody who you can rely on in your defensive end. And that's not necessarily what Dennis Mulgan was, right? So when you look at this deal, I think that this is more so kind of exactly what Sheldon Keefe alluded to yesterday when he talked about it. A player that they feel brings a different element to the team. And that's not even to talk about the fact that this guy can go out there and hit you like a Mack truck. Well, and and that's what I think the Leafs sometimes lacked last year was a fourth line that could really wear down yeah. the other team's best lines. And I think, you know, Dryden Hunt, such a hallmark of his game is his forechecking ability, right? And again, you combine that with Zach Aston Reese. Um, I, I hope we have time to talk about Pontus Holmberg today. I, I just think he's turned into like such a fantastic oh, find. We'll make time. We'll good, make time. good. Um, look, and, and that, like, that line has the makings of, again, a defensive first outfit, but one that can really eat up minutes by playing those hard, heavy minutes, you know, in the ugly areas of the ice. Um, and so when you acquire a player like that, like you said, you're doing it because you know what you're getting, right? I think there was there was still question marks about, you know, Dennis Malgan and, and, and where he fit. And, you know, he was kind of just an up and down player in terms of production. But as we, I mean, we're going to be talking about the playoffs all season, but as we look towards the playoffs, you just, you want those kind of players that, like you said, you don't have to worry about. And I think in the past, you know, the, the past few playoff runs, the Leafs have just had question marks on their fourth line. And if they go into it with an identity of, we know we're not going to, and, and there's 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 risks inherent there where you, you have a fourth line that you know you're not going to get a lot of production out of. But that's just what the Leafs seem to want to do now, is have this fourth line that is just going to play heavy and play hard. And that, that satisfies I, a lot of old-school thinkers, does it not? Well, it would. And you got a lot of guys out there. Like, I, I always reference on this show, i got an Uncle Chris, and, and he's a dude who thinks that this team needs to be made up of 23 Wendell Clarks. Like, that, that's what he wants to see out there. And obviously, we're not comparing Dryden Hunt to Wendell, but he brings a little bit more of that throwback physicality yeah. to the lineup, which is something that clearly the Maple Leafs have been missing. I mean, we look at hits per 60. He is averaging 18.84 hits per 60. That's ninth in the NHL, right? So he's going to go out there and he's going to hit you. You know, that's up there with the Matt Martins and the Garnet Hathaways and the Luke Shens of the world who are out there leading the charge when it comes to, you know, banging bodies. So that's uh, an element that he's certainly going to bring. And when you talk about identity of a fourth line, I think that this team... You know, for the last couple of seasons, they've they've kind of lacked an identity. And Julie and I have talked about this a lot. And it seemed like they were trying to come into this year with, you know, uh, the last few seasons, it's been more of an old garb, whether they've had Thornton or Spezza and Simmons. And it was just kind of a a bunch of guys put together, right? There was no real identity. But coming into this year, it seemed like they may have had a little bit more of an idea of what they wanted. And it is more of a defensive 
type of identity. And I think that he fits that mold. In a way, I mean, we were talking about this yesterday, or we were talking about this uh, with, with producer Steph before the show. He kind of maybe this is a, a second chance to see if he can fill in the shoes of what Nicholas Abe Kubel was supposed to do on this fourth line, right? A guy that's not going to provide a whole lot of offense, but he's reliable in his own end and he can provide that physicality. And like you said, once you get into the playoffs, and, and look, they're taking on the Tampa Bay Lightning tonight. I don't know if Dryden Hunt's going to be able to, to get into the lineup tonight. I don't believe he's going to. Um, but this is a team that they very well could be playing come April. And when you're looking at uh, the fourth line over there, I mean, they were clearly the deeper team last year. You had Corey Perry, Patrick Maroon, Pierre Edward Belmar. That is a deep fourth line and a physical fourth line and a heavy fourth line. And Toronto just didn't really have the guys to match that a year ago. Those net front battles, they weren't working out in their favor. You add in a guy like Dryden Hunt, and not to say he's going to play every night, but if you do need to add in that element, you feel comfortable knowing that he can get that job done against players of that ilk. What does the acquisition of Dryden Hunt mean for the future Wayne Simmons? Because when we talk about yep. a player, you know, that's going to bring that heaviness, that's that's going to bring that kind of straight line play, that's going to bring that physicality, that's going to hit people. Is that not what the Leafs were hoping Wayne Simmons could be this season? Probably, uh, they were hoping he could be that. I don't know if he's if he's been that. I mean, he's a guy who they've technically put on waivers a couple of times this season and he's gotten into a few yeah. games but has he really made an impact i, I don't think so that, that's where my mind to, went like right it, away well right? so you go to you go to wayne simmons which i think it makes sense because that's the style of play that Dryden hunt brings so do they perhaps think that hunt is more of uh, an upgrade on wayne simmons if they want to add in that physical element my mind went to a kid that they currently have playing on their fourth line and andreas jansen what does it mean for andreas jansen do they think perhaps maybe he's not ready to take on a full-time role with this team he's played a few games here he scored a goal the other night um but if he's he's probably the guy you take out of the lineup for a Dryden hunt like does it does it say anything about maybe his status with the team yeah, I, I don't know, and I think that's why it's probably going to take a few games. I mean, he's going to Dryden Hunt is set to practice with the team for the first time tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll probably be a shortened practice, given that they have a game tonight uh, and a game on Thursday. Um, I, I don't know if you want to rush the player in either, because you want to give them chance to, you know, just adapt to to the systems and figure out the systems. Um, but look, I, I I think there's there's oh, still if there was a game though that you could rush them in, I want Philly be the game. That's it's not a great hockey team over there. <laughs> no, you're right. Um, I, I don't know. I, I guess I, I, I still want to see a little bit more, you know, from some of those guys on the fourth line. Um, I, I, again, I said it. I'm a big Pontus Holmberg fan. I think, you know, it, it's incredible to see what he's done and how quickly he's adapted to the NHL. Obviously, he had, you know, four seasons in the SHL. And I just, I like that idea of, of keeping a homegrown guy in there. And Joey Anderson is another player that, you know... I've been a big Joey Anderson backer for a long time, and I love that this is the, the the stage of this team that we're at. We're debating the fourth line, right? This is this is where this team is at, and these these That's are the, the questions Toronto radio for sure. Right. And these are the questions we have to ask. But you know, I I just think Joey Anderson is is a, such a good AHL player, uh, and I think they they earmarked him. My understanding was they really earmarked him for a spot on that fourth line from the start of the season. He didn't, you know, jump up and grab it out of training camp. Um, 
So there's 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 still room for this player to grow, but I you know he's a player that has to pass through waivers, and you know you might lose him. He has plenty of NHL experience, so I think you want to give him a few more games to see where he's kind of where he's at and whether or not they do want to kind of deem him expendable uh, if they have to send him back down. The Marlies are having a terrific season too, um, and so maybe you want to keep him to, to to bolster any playoff chances that they have. But no, I I, I just think I, I again there's. Now they have a lot of different pieces. You know, it wasn't that long ago that, that you know, they're talking about icing a 19-man roster because they were that, you know, tight against the cap. Yeah, oh, I know, and then but, all the injuries. And right, now but now sudden, they have all these different pieces, and I think if, if you're Sheldon Keefe, you like that because, as we've seen, injuries happen. It's a long season. Uh, so I, I just keep coming back to it. That versatility that, that Dryden Hunt provides, yeah, I think... Could is is probably the impetus for this deal, right? It, it adds depth to the bottom end of the roster, which is something that I think the team was was lacking a little bit, and it brings that that physical element as well. So it kind of checks off two boxes in in one deal, and you move on from a guy like Dennis Mulligan, who just unfortunately, you know, had a, had a great preseason, had a couple of good games throughout the regular season, but wasn't able to, I guess, parlay the second stint into uh, into a longer run. But, you know, good luck in Colorado. Hopefully he could do something. They're, they're just as bad. I mean, there's a lot of injuries on Colorado. So he should have some opportunity to go in there and maybe do something with that team somewhere within that lineup, I would think. We, we should but. be circling the Dennis Malgan revenge game, December 31st, Ooh. New Year's Eve. I, I, I know you're more of a betting man than I am, but I would, knowing you know, knowing what we saw from Jimmy VC a few nights ago, yeah. I would I would earmark the Dennis Malgan revenge game as a, as a safe bet on New Year's Eve. It's, it's almost a guarantee that whenever a former Leaf plays Toronto, they usually put the puck in the back of the net. There's very few guarantees in life, but like that that's is one that's of them. nearly one of them. Um, but we got the Leafs and Lightning tonight. You can watch it on TSN four. Toronto looking to avoid a third straight loss, uh, looking to put an end to Tampa's five game winning streak. They really closed the gap here. They're sitting just three points back now, um, and they got a couple of games in hand. So I think it's a big two points that are going to be up for grabs tonight for Toronto to try and extend that lead and not allow Tampa to to grow even further. But I mean, it, it's so funny how. Sometimes we joke about how, oh, no one cares about a Tuesday game in December. There's a pretty big Tuesday game in December. If you, if you think about it in the grand scheme of things, I believe it's looking like home ice could be a factor, you know, come down the line, come April. These two teams could be playing one another, and these two points could make a bit of a difference. So this, this is actually a big Tuesday night December game, is it not? Well, what you saw, um, you know, when the Leafs went on the road to play Washington and New York, you saw them run up against teams that were both on, you know, heaters, yeah. right? Both Washington and New York were playing really well, and the Leafs just didn't really have an answer for teams that that were on those heaters. And you're seeing that right now with the Lightning, who are on a five-game win streak. You know, the Leafs have lost two in a row. This is the kind of thing that, that we, when you're looking about, and we were talking before the show about, you know, has this Leafs team matured? Are, are they the type of team that can kind of weather storms throughout the regular season? This is the kind of game that you look at, right? Can you stop a team that's playing really well dead in their tracks? Yeah. Right? Um, so that's kind of what I'm looking for. Obviously, like any game like this is a measuring stick kind of game, and it's a game that, that like you said, has playoff implications. But I just look at the you know this Leafs team as as one that really needs to figure out 
you know, how to avoid those long skids. Um, and if you can do that on home ice and, and, and stop this Lightning team, again, this regular season is, is all about building confidence heading into the playoffs. Um, so that's, that's what I'm looking at you know, for tonight's game. Yeah, and it, it'll be a big one. Like I said, it'll be on TSN 4. And the man who we'll have coming up next will uh, will be on the panel for it. Darren Dreger will join us on the other side. We'll, you know, get into this game and talk a little bit about what was going on in the NHL last night because there's, again, what's going on in Vancouver is troubling. Very, very troubling stuff. So we'll you're talking see. about the weather. Is that yeah, what you're talking well, about? <laughs> the weather and, you know, it's it's not only ice on the roads, but there's trouble on the ice, you know, Ooh. on the actual ice. So very nice. We'll see if, uh, if if Dregs has any information on the kind of the direction that, that team's going to be looking to go because it's not looking good right now in Vancouver. So he'll join us on the other side. I'm Mike DiStefano. we got Josh Cloak of The Athletic in here for today. Dave Andrestruck going to be coming up in the uh, 1 o'clock hour with us as well. Listen to Lease Lunch here on TSN 1050. Now, back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Leafs Lunch continues here on TSN 1050. I'm Mike DiStefano. No Julia Tasheri today as she's on the World Juniors beat. But in with me, we've got Josh Cloak of The Athletic for the day. And uh, there's an interesting quotes. Quotes starting to come out, right? We got media. Uh, the Leafs already spoke today, and now you've got the media speaking with the Tampa Bay Lightning. And uh, John Cooper is just uh, this guy rattles the brains of a lot of oppositional fan bases, I believe. He, he, he does. I I, um, I think back to uh, last year. I, I was in Tampa, um, not for the playoffs, but that that game right before the playoffs. Um, and I remember, you know, you, you go and you, you do Cooper's availability, and and I remember the whole time just being like, "Wow, he is so good and so almost poetic in the way that that he, you know, brings guys up and brings guys down, and 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 really, you know, like I think you're alluding to, just kind of pokes the bear a little yeah. bit." Um, but I, I remember talking to my colleague, Joe Smith, of The Athletic. Now he's in Minnesota. But he kind of told me, like, Cooper isn't always like that. Cooper has a sense of the moment. He knows when the big teams are in yes, town. He knows that's what it is. He knows, you know, when... Smart guy. Yeah, he knows when there's more cameras on him. Um, and look, full credit, because I, I do think we, we, it's it's this ongoing kind of need to get more personality in the game. If, and if some of that personality comes from coaches... Who can kind of like I said poke the bear a little bit? Then, then again, that's that's what this league needs. Well, here's the latest bear poking comment he had. He's in Toronto today, and he was asked what Nick Paul brings to his team. His answer: two goals in Game Seven against the Toronto Maple Leafs. What a zinger! Two goals in Game Seven, like that's poking the bear. Um, let's bring in our TSN hockey insider Darren Dreger. Dregs, is there a coach in the NHL? That you think is is as witty with his words and and, and as you know we were talking about pokes the bear more than John yeah. Cooper does. No, and but he does it in a respectful and a tactful way, right? Yeah. Um, I I can't think of another coach in the National Hockey League. I'll, I'll include Barry Trotz as being in the NHL. So give him a, a maybe a tip of the cap as being most balanced. 
Like, they never seem to get too rattled. Stuff happens in-game. Emotions take over. You know, yeah, there's some barking at officials from time to time and things like that. But John Cooper is always so well thought out. But it's, it doesn't necessarily feel like he's doing anything in a direct way. Um, poking the bear with the Toronto Maple Leafs and, and acknowledging Nick Paul scored two in Game 7. I suppose, but that's what happened. You know, that's, that's a friendly reminder. Um, and I, I was just talking to Jeff Motter, producer for tonight's game, our studio coverage of the Leafs and, and the Lightning. And I was reminded of something Cooper said recently. And I'm going to paraphrase, but he talked about how difficult it is for teams to get to a place mentally where they, they, they don't chew over a loss. You know, as long as one loss doesn't turn into 10 losses in a row, just get over it. Get to a place where you're mature enough that you, you can do what you need to do to win, not just the regular season in the playoffs. That, to me, was also uh, an example of poking the bear, right? Because he's saying that it took the Tampa Lightning a long time to get to that place. Is Toronto there? Well, we're going to find out. And we're going to find out to varying points of this regular season, then obviously in the playoffs. I don't know if if that's gamesmanship or that is just John Cooper being smart and letting us into the world that he's experienced and been part of as head coach in Tampa Bay. Dregs, you mentioned gamesmanship. Like I'm genuinely curious. You know, I think players talk. Players are asked often about, you know, the impact of coming and playing in Toronto, and and you know, I think it's kind of well known. Sometimes players kind of. You know, up the ante a bit when they come to Toronto and they they bring their best when they when they play in Toronto. Uh, does the same apply to coaches? Like, do you think coaches kind of up the gamesmanship when when they play in Toronto? Yeah, to some degree, I I, I think so. You know, it, it does feel like the national spotlight is is shining on you, even though you know it's a, a regional game. It's just the the spectacle of the event. Uh, there wouldn't be another market in the National Hockey League that has more media attending. You know, maybe on certain games, you know, you've got a, a full cast in, in Montreal, um, maybe Vancouver to some point. But w- when you're talking about a divisional battle like this one, the history between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, I think that it, it definitely feels special. And any Canadian coach would recognize that as well. Now, I'm not talking about the six other Canadian teams. I'm talking about... Let's use Paul Maurice as head coach of, of the mm. Florida Panthers. Well, obviously, you know, coming into Toronto, going into Winnipeg, those are going to be special events. And there wouldn't be too many coaches in the National Hockey League that don't look at some of the special cities, Toronto and Montreal among them, as being, all right, you know, the, 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 the magnifying glass is on us, so let's make sure to bring our best. I'm glad you actually brought up Paul Maurice. Before we get into the Leafs and and, and all that, we're obviously going to get into tonight's game. I do want to ask you a question about him and 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 the Florida Panthers, and just talk about this division as a whole. Because I mean, we knew it was going to be a bit of a gauntlet coming into the year, obviously. But what surprises you more about how things have shaken out up into the Christmas uh, break point of the mm-hmm. season? The fact that the Florida Panthers, um, who are last year's Presidents Trophy winners, are currently yeah. on the outside looking in uh, on a playoff spot or the fact that the Boston Bruins, given all the adversity that they went through this season, are up at the top? That's a tough call. It is. Um, I want to say the, the Florida Panthers' demise here. You know, that was a clear, bold direction change by Billy Zito, the general manager of the Florida Panthers, in, in different ways. 
Um, you know, the, the trade with the Calgary Flames is obvious. I, I just, I don't think that he thought that the team was going to suffer as mightily as they, they have. And then you look at some of the off-ice stuff, right? He had a real good, young, somewhat inexperienced coach in Andrew and Burnett. But Burnett has, had paid his dues as an assistant or an associate coach at the NHL level. Had great success last year and doesn't award him with a head coaching job. Instead, he goes to Paul Maurice because he feels like Paul might be the missing, missing ingredient to bring this group even closer together and push them closer to the ultimate goal. Thus far, it hasn't worked. Um, and I'm not pointing the finger at Paul Maurice. I think that everybody you know, in, in the hockey operations, including the players, have to look in the mirror and try and figure out what's going on there. But they're in a pickle in Florida um, because there's reason to, to have concern with their goaltending, obviously. They extend the young Spencer Knight, and, and he's the goalie of the future, but he has to be the goalie of now. And that's problematic only because you've got a $10 million goalie in Sergei Bobrovsky, who it's easy to wonder what his future likes in Florida. And then how do you vision a future outside of Florida because who's taking on that contract? So they, there's a lot of things that surprise me about what's gone on in Florida. And just a quick thought on Boston. The only thing that surprised me about Boston is that they've been able to sustain their dominance, mm -hmm. right? I mean, they've dropped out of the, the league lead on a couple of occasions, but then they find a way to claw back. And how can you not be impressed with the consistency and drive of Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand and David Pasternak, who still doesn't have a contract extension, which boggles my mind, and on and on it goes. So um, probably Boston less surprising than the fall of the Florida Panthers. Dregs, we were talking a lot about uh, Dryden Hunt, Dennis Malgan, huge trade over here in Toronto. Um, what do you know about what went into the deal, and, and where do you think Dryden Hunt fits with the Leafs? Well, Dryden Hunt fits in their bottom six. He's a meat and potatoes player. He's a hardworking guy. He's going to bring energy. Um, fairly basic, and I don't mean that to be critical. It's just he's suited well for the bottom six, probably the fourth line of the trial make loose. We'll have to see. Dennis Mulligan just flat out was a misfit for the Maple Leafs. Um, you know, it, 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 he looked like a player who had to be surrounded by better players, which means he, he needed to play in the top six. He had lots of opportunity in the top six with the Toronto Maple Leafs, and he just couldn't get anything going. Well, if he's not able to stay in your top six, and you don't think he fits in your bottom six, where does he fit? And he doesn't. So this was more about moving out a player that just didn't have a home with the Toronto Maple Leafs in the lineup that Sheldon Keefe puts out there. So how do you change that into a positive? Well, <clears throat> that's the deal that they've made. It does, though, create a hole uh, in their lineup among the forwards. So let's see if Cal Yarncroak is, is ready to go. I don't know if Sheldon Keefe has spoke yet to acknowledge whether he's in or he's not. But I suspect he's going to get opportunity to, to play in the top six. But this is where it gets even juicier, I think, for many of, many of us in the insider business and in talk radio. You know, I push back at many who insist, well, Toronto should be interested in Bo Horvath, or they should be doing this or that, um, because I, I still think that they need some help on defense. You know, Connor Timmons was a simple and a small ad, but he's turned out to be a pretty nice ad. Now, yep. let's see how, how things progress through the rest of this year. But now it looks to me like they have a defined need on that left wing, right? So uh, is 
Kyle Dubas going to go big game hunting? You know, what do you do there? I look at a player like Ryan O'Reilly as being as, as good a fit as you're going to find. But what's going to be the cost? You know, it looks like St. Louis, even though they're playing better, are likely going to have to consider trading either O'Reilly and Tarasenko. I mean, that rumor mill has been churning for a long while. And then we've, we've talked at length about what's going on and what's gone on to this point in Vancouver. So now it seems like, you know, Toronto will be a player in that game of trying to, to add a forward before the deadline. Yeah, I think the Ryan O'Reilly shout is a really good one. But I guess my question then drags um, two parts. What do you think the ask would be for O'Reilly? And two, do you think there are any untouchables um, within the Leafs' kind of prospect core? We're talking about, you know, Topi Niemla, Matthew Nyes, a first-round pick. Like, is there anywhere the Leafs wouldn't go to yeah. acquire Ryan O'Reilly? Well, those three elements <laughs> right. are probably all three, I might want to say. Uh, nice for me is uh, he just they, – they've invested too much in Matthew Nice, even though they've invested nothing. I'm just talking about, you know, the, just the, the, the prospect of what he might turn into. I'd be absolutely shocked if Matthew Nice doesn't sign the contract immediately following his team, you know, season end with the NCAA. Um, so then his future begins with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, I, I, I think that there'll have to be some real strong consideration given if, if a first-round pick is uh, you know needed again to make a deal like that happen. But then you have to look at, you know, if Nick Robertson is healthy, when do you cut bait on him? You know, have we seen enough uh, at, at his play at the NHL level to see what his future looks like in Toronto or doesn't look like. And is he an asset that you'd consider parting with? I mean, when you're bringing in bigger pieces, you have to be willing to play that bigger game, right? Yeah. Now, we're, we're also reminded, and I throw out O'Reilly and others have thrown out Horvat, and I mean, go down the list here, but you're reminded of the Nick Foligno situation when he arrived in Toronto, what they had to give up to acquire him. And it wasn't because of a lack of character or want to do something and be more impactful. You know, Foligno just wasn't healthy enough to be the contributing player that Toronto needed him to be. But, you know, there's a lot of time between now and, and March 3rd, the, the trade deadline. Well, so speak- let's see if Toronto gets into that mix. Yeah, well, speaking of, I mean, we, we saw obviously the Maple Leafs made a deal. There was that three-way kind of minor trade that was made um, right at the buzzer before the trade freeze last night. But... You know, how much was there, like, did trade chatter pick up at all throughout this week? Do you expect it to pick up again when the freeze gets lifted? And, you know, yeah. who do you think are maybe some of the, the big dominoes that could fall over the next, uh, you know, few weeks or, or month leading up to the deadline? Yeah, look, I'm, I'm sure that trade conversations picked up leading up to the roster freeze um, just because of the obvious, the, the critical calendar date. Um, but do I have a sense that there was anything close? Not really. But normally what happens, and that's why we always circle around uh, U.S. Thanksgiving, and it relates to the general manager's meeting around Hall of Fame weekend, right? And when you get that opportunity to have one-on-one face-to-face conversations, uh, often that, that will spark something. And then that takes you up to the roster freeze, which we're now in, so you revisit some of those conversations. So then, hold on a sec here. Yeah, no problem, Drex. 
Uh, yeah, I had to clear my throat again. <laughs> um, that that then takes you up to probably another checking point in mid January, and then following that, if there's still it hasn't been any tangible activity, then teams start to kind of claw back a little bit and wait for the prices either to come down or different players to jump into the market before the deadline. Um, From an outsider's perspective, the team that I guess I'm kind of looking at more intensely than others that I feel might be a little bit more... Uh, I don't know what we're active, perhaps, and and you would be the guy to tell me if I'm accurate or not. But it sounds like potentially the Vancouver Canucks could be one of those teams that you know might be making a lot of phone calls. Patrick Alvine could uh, have a busy buzzer on that cell phone over the next little bit. Do you anticipate them to be you know heavy coming out of this trade freeze, or do you think that they might wait until the deadline? Well, I think they'll be active. I mean, that's a team be up high on our radar for sure you know there's been so much talk about what they're doing up front um but i'm going to throw a name out there that again isn't new to trade speculation uh, but it's a name that i think is going to generate some interest later in the season leading up to the deadline and that's tyler myers Mm. he still has some some time on his contract but he he's had a real tough time in vancouver and he struggled this year uh, he's not alone in that defensively. The Vancouver Canucks have been up against it uh, at varying points, and including very recently. Um, so what would it take for Myers? I'm, I'm in the camp that believes if he gets a fresh start somewhere, he's going to be decent. I, I, I think he still has game left. So then you look at Horvat and you look at Besser. What I know, Mike, is the timeline here is wide open for Patrick Galvey. He will move those players as soon as the freeze lifts, if the right deal is there. And if the right deal isn't there, then as we hear every single year, you know, the general manager who's in seller mode is willing to be patient and wait until the trade deadline. The, the Vancouver Canucks are looking for a young NHL center. They're looking for a young NHL right shot defenseman. And we know they have to clear some cap space. So how all of those kind of elements come together is going to be fascinating to watch. But Vancouver Canucks are right at the top of the page and uh, insider traffic and expected shifts and deals uh, as we go into the new year. Dregs, I'm going to switch gears here. Um, You're a human, so you probably watched the World Cup final on Sunday. Uh, Apparently 50% of the world is watching that game. Billions, billions. Um, You know who I wonder was if they were watching that game was the people that decide whether or not we're going to see best-on-best NHL hockey. So, Dregs, I guess my question is, with the popularity of the World Cup, the immense popularity of that final, does the yeah. chatter um, around whether a best-on-best NHL tournament should follow pick up specifically around the World Cup, or are we kind of dreaming that up? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it picks up because I think it's been constant. Just amid all the turmoil around the World Cup and, and, and uh, World Cup of Hockey now, I'm not talking about World Cup soccer. Uh, and and everything that's going on with world events, right? You know, Russia and Ukraine is real, and there's still a high level of sensitivity to that, globally speaking, as there should be. And that includes sport. And as Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly talked about uh, during the recent Board of Governors meetings in Florida, there is a sense that some of the other governing parties, uh, and I guess it would end with the IOC, um, opening the door for Russian athletes to return to the Olympic stage. 
if that were to become official, then I think that that softens things for the NHL, the Players Association, maybe the IHF to reconsider, right? Um, but then it's on the other federations that make up the International Hockey Federation to decide whether they're okay with it. Um, big part of the reason why they delayed the World Cup of Hockey is because those federations' message to the NHL, to the IIHF, was um, if Russia is in, we're not playing. That simple. So I think from a North American standpoint, you talk to Austin Matthews, you talk to Connor McDavid, they want best on best. Hockey fans want best on best, but there's still some repair work and healing that needs to happen on um, you know, just among world events for them to really gain traction on planning and establishing when the next one for sure is going to be. Well, hopefully it's sooner rather than later. It's been way too long, and uh, just watching the World Cup of Soccer and Messi and, and the best, literally Messi and Mbappe, two of the best in the world going at it on the world stage, it really just reminded me of how deprived we really have been over the course of the last uh in the last six, seven years or so. Uh, appreciate yep. it, as always, Dregs. Thanks for getting through it. Um, and, well, it'll be the last time I speak to you before the holidays. So Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and uh, enjoy the holidays with you and the family. Yeah, same to you guys. Happy holidays, everybody. All right. There he goes. Darren Dreger, a TSN hockey insider. Um, speaking of the World Cup, you were down there in, uh, in Qatar. How was it? It was wild. I would imagine so. In, in ever, that's the word I, I keep coming back to. It was wild. It was surreal. Did you get on a camel? I, I did not get on a camel. What? I got close to a few camels. Yeah. Um, you know, I uh, no. It, it, it was a, a wild experience because, um, I mean, first of all, it, you're reminded just how popular this event is. You're just reminded of how intensified things get at the World Cup. You know, I think about... Um, you know, being kind of in the eye of the hurricane when when John Herdman, Canada's you know men's national team head coach, says what he does before uh, the game against Croatia, and for a minute there, for a minute, for about thirty six hours, Canada was the biggest story really? in the World Cup for sure because you never see you know an international manager. Um, we're talking about poke the bear. Like not just poke the bear, take a shiv to the bear. You know the the, the way that 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 he kind of did. Um, and so I guess I think about that, and I think about um, you know what we're missing uh, in the NHL because there's such an opportunity for all these personalities um, to, to get together, and 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 the upsets that I saw, like that that was part of it too. Um, you know, Canada was very very close to beating Belgium, and I think about you know how. Morocco How, making their run all sure. the way to the semis. You know, you look back to, to, to 2014 in the Olympics when Latvia went on their run, and, and they really gave Canada a good push. Um, those are the things that, that we love about international sport is the drama and the unpredictability of the whole mm-hmm. thing, and that's what I saw kind of firsthand, um, and that's what I think we're really missing without best on best here um, in hockey. But it, it was, it was a, a, a career uh, life highlight of mine i got to see messi play three times wow and i can close my eyes and and see him scoring i saw him score twice um that that goal that i saw him score um against australia i can close my eyes and i will forever kind of remember that goal um but again that you need 
you know, as big of a, a player and a character as Messi is, you need those global tournaments to really yeah, for a player the stage, to solidify. The platform. Yeah, for them to solidify their 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 greatness. And, and, and I think that's a big issue with Connor McDavid. Like when we talk about McDavid, for some reason, like he's the best player right now in in the game, but he doesn't have that legacy that Crosby has. Because he hasn't had that opportunity to have a golden goal moment, it just he, he hasn't had it. But and, and you can go down the list. Austin Matthews hasn't, right? right? Austin and, and Matthews, another one. Like I just, I just think that what you're, what you're really missing out on, like that the last World Cup of hockey was was good hockey, but things like you know Team Gimmicky. North America and like no, just just get the twelve. You know, sixteen, dude. Like, oh, open it up to to teams that can create upsets. Have the sixteen best. You know, international hockey federations there, um, and I think you'll be surprised how many people around the world get into it, um, and and that's kind of a shame. And, and I literally had, um, you know, this is very inside baseball, but I literally had foreign journalists asking me about you know Canada and soccer, and then just saying, well, we know Canada is really good at ice hockey. When was the last time they won the World Cup? And people are just under the assumption, <laughs> foreign journalists are just under the assumption that there is a World Cup of hockey that happens every four years, which is, right. I can see you're, you're, you're crushed. Because Technically, there is. It's called the World Championships. They have it every year, but it's not the same, and like you don't get all the good players because it's during the playoffs, and you really don't get anyone unless they get eliminated in the first round. So it's not even remotely the same like yes it is considered a, a international tournament you have a lot of nhlers who are present there we've had a lot of great moments at that tournament but it's just not the same it's not the world grand stage of what the olympic games has become like i just think back to 2014 2010 2002 like those gold medal games were electric and 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 i believe like groundbreaking when it comes to growing the sport internationally and that's what I believe is the big miss here by the NHL. The reason, the way that they can grow the sport internationally into all these other countries isn't by going and doing an off game in, in, in Norway or doing an off game in China or wherever they want to go do these global international series. Figure out a way to have best-on-best best hockey and figure out a way to showcase the game on the grand stage. It was striking to me that, that FIFA, not exactly known as a flexible organization, stopped the international calendar or, or sorry created essentially a new international calendar and stopped the club season midway through the club season to have this tournament yeah. right and we can talk about um you know all the issues surrounding the world cup in qatar uh and and there are many issues but the fact that that happened and and you know fifa's goal is to, to bring the game to you know different parts of the world which they did uh, with this World Cup, and so that's one thing I kept coming back to: is if FIFA can do that, if FIFA can say we're going to stop the club calendar midway through, and we're going to kind of force this World Cup in, and it was a tremendous World Cup from an entertainment perspective. If the NHL and the Double IHF can't do that, I really think something is lacking here. I really think someone is is not, or someone, multiple people are not understanding the wide-ranging impact. That best on best hockey can have, especially in a market like you can have the the World Cup of Hockey in Toronto, but if you put it in a market where you want to grow the game, I think you're underestimating the reach because you know hockey brings um, you know a, a lot of what the best soccer that brings it. You know it's fast, it's intense, 
Um, and I think that's what people need to see worldwide. Yep, couldn't agree with you more. Um, that's Josh Cloak of The Athletic. Uh, I'm Mike DiStefano. Uh, lease busters will get you out of your car lease today. It's as easy as pie, a piece of cake. Avoid penalties as early uh, and early termination fees at visitleasebusters.com. Kel McCarr did something interesting last night. Let's chat about it on the other side. You listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. This is Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Out goes McCarr. For the box goes Barzell. McCarr. McCarr was waving to the referee, I think, saying he didn't do it. That was an interesting reaction by Kale McCarr, almost saying, don't call that penalty. But I think they already called the penalty. Well, unless they changed their mind. And they, years ago, Brennan, that 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 just never happened. They never changed There's their no mind. The nope, no penalty on the play. Kale McCarr, credit to him for being honest. He said, no, I, I, just, I just slipped. I just slipped. Leafs Lunch is brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards. Available at, for purchase at Petro Canada. The perfect gift for any occasion. I'm Mike DiStefano with Josh Cloak of The Athletic. And uh, what you heard there was a little play-by-play commentary of good guy, good Canadian kid, good Alberta boy, Kale McCarr. Got tripped up last night, or so the referee thought. Saw the arm go up, and he looked off the ref and gave him a little wave. No, 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 it's all good. I just tripped on my own and negated his own penalty. Like, I've, I've never seen this before. The list of players in the NHL who could pull that off is very, very short. But right? like, like, like you, you, you couldn't be like, um, you know, a third liner on on Team X, it, you know, in the Pacific Division and, and decline a penalty, right? I think Kale McCarr's. <laughs> I no, I mean it. I think Kale McCarr's, you know, long leash. stature. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know what? I think it's pretty smart. I understand afterwards. You know, he probably feels like, oh, I, I maybe I gave up a power play opportunity, but. If Kale McCarr is thinking long term, doesn't that buy him a lot of goodwill in the books of referees around the league? The next time there's a 50-50 call against Kale McCarr, I think he's getting it. Maybe, perhaps, you, you could look at it that way if you want to be glass half full. I, I am. But ultimately, I, I, I don't know what he was thinking. Like if I was his teammate, I probably would have been a little upset. Like that, like you're negating a power play for your team, and, and that's a, a chance for you to really start to, to take a lead, a chance for you to score a goal, better opportunities. It was funny, though, because he had a back and forth after the game with the media um, talking about his decision, and this is what he had to say. It's such a rare thing that occurs. Um, I just felt like it was pretty obvious that it wasn't a penalty. Um, I apologize that I'm in stuff, but like I said, I, I don't plan on doing that again. Did Barzal ask anything, say anything to you after? No. One of their guys asked if I declined that. I was like, yeah, but um, there's really no reason to. I honestly, looking back on it, I don't know why I did it, but um, yeah. Felt like it was the right thing to do? Yeah, in the moment, I guess, but like I said, the second I got off the ice, I was... Felt a lot guiltier for my teammates to not get the power play, get rewarded for. Uh, I mean, it happens in every sport, bad calls, so you just got to eat them, and that's what it is. But uh, save the ref from some media attention tonight, that's for sure. Well, I mean, interesting to note here that. <laughs> Cares more about the ref yeah. and Matt Barzell than his own teammates. That's what I came came away from that. There's no, a, like, the, the context with, like, the Avalanche won 1 0, like, in a shootout. So, like, that's, that's, that's tense, right? So. 
yeah, I can see where you're coming from. Where maybe it's like, you know, if they're up five one in the third period, maybe that's yeah. like, that's a little easier to do. But like that could have been a pivotal sure. power play for that team. Do you think Kale McCarr does that in March or April? Probably definitely not. not. Right? Definitely so, not. So that's you know that that's kind of what. Uh, again, I think it's a smart play. Kale McCarr is going to have a very very long career. Yes. in the NHL, and and referees have great memories. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I hope you're right, like, for, for, for his case, and he can get rewarded for being, you know, a nice Canadian boy, I guess. Like, it it was funny. You saw all the little chirps out there saying that's the most Canadian gesture there ever was. Like, sorry, no, it's okay. He didn't trip me there, actually, pal. And then uh, also the other joke out there as well, just hand the Lady Bing now because that's just the most gentlemanly thing that you could do was, no, he did not trip me, ref. You were mistaken. It was me. I tripped up on my own. He does not need to go spend two minutes in the sin bin. Absolutely not. If you are a hockey player, if you're a, a player in the NHL right now, there's one thing you do not want to be known as, and that's a diver. Right. right? So True. if you're Kale McCarr, you're looking at that as well. Like You listen to him just now. But, He's but, a perceptive, smart dude, right? So you don't want to be known, A, as a diver. You don't want to be the known. The thing as- is, there was contact. Like There was contact with the oh. stick. It was, it was in like the arm area, not in his feet and his skates. But he very well, I mean, could you have even called a hook and call on that potential? It didn't look like on- it to me. I it mean- didn't, but based on the contact that there was there, I don't know if you could really say that was a dive. Like Even if, if he didn't say anything, I don't think anyone would be saying, oh, wow, he dove there. How dare he? Right? Well, I, I think it would just be, oh, it's another missed call by the official or a wrong call by the official. I mean, think back to, was it game six last year in Tampa? We got Tampa in the building tonight. I mean, remember what happened down there? You had David Camp, you got Alex Kerfoot. I mean, bad calls happen all the time. And uh, unfortunately, you know, Victor Hedman is not uh, as as gentlemanly, I guess, as, as Kale McCarr and didn't wave off that penalty that should not have been called uh or was chernak maybe an eric chernak that one still stings hey? exactly exactly <laughs> so i don't know sometimes if you get rewarded with a bad penalty just just take it just shut up take it and then go score on it make them pay all right uh good stuff first hour in the books coming up in the second hour of leafs lunch excited dave andertruck former leaf former tampa bay lightning gonna join the show i'm mike de stefano with josh cloak of the athletic second hour of leafs lunch coming up next